Welcome to Growing Unicorns, where every week, Holly Chen, Eli Rubel, and me, Karina Edwards, come together with some fun guest hosts at a live interactive discussion where we unpack stories from the trenches while we're working with some of the fastest growing unicorns today. All right. I'm going to kick things off. This is episode four of Growing Unicorns. Um, We have Holly with us per usual. Eli is actually out on paternity leave. Um, He just welcomed his little baby girl, Sophia. So congrats, Eli. Um, And then we have Jay from Mattermade's side. And Jay, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Yeah. Hey, everyone. I'm Jay. Uh, Just like Karina said, I'm on the Mattermade team as one of the directors of DemandGen. And a little bit about me, my experience. It's it's been kind of all over the spectrum involving marketing and selling to the customer. So I kicked it off in sales. I was at Procter & Gamble for a while, working on some of their large accounts and market research and all that, thinking that I wanted to stay in sales and all that. Got home to Minnesota and joined a SaaS company and ran sales for them for a little while and kind of realized that I hated it because just like speaking directly to the customer and trying to haggle with them on the prices and all that, it wasn't my cup of tea. So not knowing what I wanted to do, but knowing it wanted to be something customer facing or helping grow businesses, I jumped into consulting. And that's where I lived for, gosh, five, six, seven, lose track of the amount of years, but I was mainly at 3M my entire time. And while I was there, I was focused on business transformation and digital transformation. So I would run a small agency with a few other consultants. And what we would do is we would go into their brands from like their B2B brands, B2C, B2B to B2C and China and all these like weird verticals and markets and help them blow up their brands, figure out who their customer was, and then launch a bunch of different iterative campaigns. And the name of the game was make 3M smaller so that we could be a little bit more agile, use data to guide our decision-making and put the customer at the heart of all of our actions and everything we do. Kind of fell in love with that and then got kind of bored of it at the same time as you do at a large company and I love kind of the the thrall that comes with startups. So left that um, and then spent a little bit of time at Techstars and worked with a bunch of various startups. So I worked with some really cool early stage high growth startups, mostly in the B2B SaaS space, fell in love with one of them, moved to sunny Austin, Texas to help them grow their marketing team, build it out, figure out how to grow their business. And then uh, we got hit with the pandemic. And almost overnight, this small agency ad tech almost went belly up and needed to pivot. And that pivot job, I just didn't want to be part of. But I still loved what I did. And I still loved high growth, kind of the the fervor of it and the excitement and the challenge that comes with it. And so I joined a cloud guru at that time, which was experiencing real hyper growth. I mean, this is a company I joined like sub 200s. We were growing out the company, Australian, Austin, pandemic hits, but the pandemic did the opposite for this company and tripled, quadrupled its revenue almost overnight. And so we had all the pains when I was there for a year and a half of growing this business from 20 million in revenue to 100 million in revenue, all while balancing the needs from a consumer segment, educating them on the cloud, and then the business segment, helping teams to level up to achieve their goals and the outcomes they might have had, and all the crazy challenges that come along with hypergrowth. Did that, met wonderful Karina and Eli and all the folks at the Mattermade team, and they said, hey, this is what we 
do on a day-to-day basis, but with more than just one client, do you have an appetite for it? And I'm like, heck yeah, count me in and been here ever since. And it's been, what, a month now, Karina? Not that much time, but it feels like a year. Some days it feels like a day, some days it feels like a month. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a year. Yes, we are so happy to have you. Um, and I'm definitely excited that you're joining us today. So today we're going to be chatting through marketing and sales, all things collaboration, alignment. Um, Natalie, since you're here in your front row seat, I'd love to hear if you have like any specific questions. Not exactly questions because my um, the job is all about product management and uh, growth within the product management realm. I'm just curious to understand that piece, uh, marketing and sales. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The product management piece. Yeah, I, I totally feel you on that. There is tricky. You know, when I, I would love everyone to chime in here, but my experience with product sales and marketing is everything that you do needs to both align with what the customer wants, like the product iterations that you're pushing out with. But a lot of the challenges that we have are in our like go to market plans for new products and features and knowing when we should actually market it, when we should actually sell it. And one of the, I think probably the best thing why I love product teams so much is because they're so innovative. They really create things. They take often research at the core of what they do to inform their decisions. And me as a marketer, that's kind of my dream to have access to all this information, data, and ways of empathizing with the customer. So I'm all about that. But the flip side of the challenge I see with product teams is they often think that their releases are the next big thing, like the next big iPhone, even if it's a small like integration upgrade or a small update to the, the speed of the backend or what have you. And so at times I've found that it's difficult to prioritize what to actually allocate budget behind and advertise what to actually campaign for and what to arm the sales team with on the calls to actually help move the needle forward because it's what the customer wants. So doesn't really answer your question as much as paint a picture. It gets murky and it gets challenging. But one of the ways that I found I'm working with all three of these teams is actually starting a bit with sales. If we don't know an answer, we don't have research for it is in any of the opportunities, any of the discussions that we've had, what are the key pain points that our customer has? And often the sales team has that or cue cards or competitive cards or something like that. And so every time I work with all three teams at once, it always needs to come back to, is it solving a core pain point that our customers bring up in opportunity or in showcasing intent to buy. Because if it doesn't, it's nice to have. We can talk about email notifications. We can talk about newsletters. We can talk about pushes inside the product. But if it doesn't really align with a core pain point that helps push someone over the ledge to actually becoming a customer or wanting to be a customer, it's not worth it. And that's kind of a (laughs) difficult conversation you got to have with the teams. Yeah. Holly, I'd love to hear how you think about this. Uh, like Natalie, do you want to uh, do you want to add something? I, I I saw your your hands up before I add something. Yeah, I guess uh, you can answer this question, Holly, because I, I follow you. Yeah, I understand that you know the advertising space as well. It's the B two C product, and we add supported product. So majority of time, sales in a sense, our our organization is people who um, selling our media, basically, right? So. The uh, asks and incentives not really align with the product-led, you know, initiatives that would enhance um, experience of users within the app, and it creates an even more challenging way uh, to prioritize the features because sometimes you need to honor sales who needs to um, 
uh, have more direct sales, as example, versus what you want to do uh, within the product to enhance experience for users. So how would you approach that kind of balance? Yeah, yeah. So if I um, heard you correctly, um, you are a B2C ad supported business where like the end user uh, is the consumer and they want a certain like, you know, level or standards of user experience, whereas who pays the bill is uh, the advertisers, uh, like your sales team cares about how the advertisers feel. Uh, about, you know, like maybe admin dashboards or like there's certain certain features that are not necessarily enhanced the end user experience. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, that's a uh, that's a common challenge, actually. Is like uh, the user and uh, the the buyer are are two two different things, especially for like ad supported business or like a platform business. Uh, you have one side uh, who's uh, who's actually the re- like g- getting the revenue, and the other side uh, is more like the benefiter. There's like no free lunch uh, if you think about, uh, especially a lot of the content businesses. Um, I'd say like in an ideal world, they should uh, enhance each other. Um, So if you have a great end user experience, um, their activation and retention rate is high and more people uh, will join the platform and use the products, tell uh, tell other people about it. And then you have more people on the platform and as a result, it should be more valuable to uh, the advertisers. Um, and that said, maybe uh, the, the 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 devil is in the, in the details of what kind of user you are attracting, right? So, like, okay, we can, you know, if we are purely looking at uh, uh, like number of users, so what kind of what kind of users are actually high quality users? Um, are they the type of audiences that advertisers actually care about and want? to advertise to. And um, honestly, like that, that is a decision that should be clearly made um, as a company uh, from a strategy perspective. Right? So like, um, yes, we, we cater to the type of advertisers. Does that align with our value? Uh, the type of things that we want to, we want to serve the end users? Um, do they have a conflict? And ideally, you want to adjust um, your overall company value and, and, and strategy to say, okay, like we want perfect alignment uh, of the, the, the people we serve and, and the people who who pays the bills. Do you do you run into that type of um, challenge? That like the type of users that, that find it valuable versus the, the the advertiser want want a want a different thing? I, no, I think we're pretty uh, good with um, organization alignment. Like we have clear vision and mission, and that informs uh, the feature set. It informs uh, what kind of advertisers we want to attract and what we're pitching to them based on that. And as you said, Holly, it's all about details. Like, how can I determine that value? And that is getting deeper into data and looking at LTV. If we're doing the specific campaigns, how we should measure if this is sufficient retention um, for this campaign, and should we um, double down that? that would provide more impressions for advertisers or should we pull back and this is what i do on um, you know uh, on daily basis nearly early stages but uh, the the answer is clear so basically first to resolve on a higher level like uh, why we exist and that would should inform the price strategy and that should inform the sales um, prospects And one one common challenge is um let's say like actually Mm, more like a public interest uh, type of tools 
uh, or, um, I, you know, like a direct example is like nonprofits uh, that like the people who serve and, and people who want to contribute money uh, may not necessarily fully align. And that that creates issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but ideally, uh, Jay, you, you wanted to. No, I'm just nodding and agreeing. I didn't think about it through the sense of the nonprofits. So you're spot on. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Holly. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I feel like those are all like really strategic things that sometimes don't get that don't happen or those conversations don't happen. And then you run into the situation where it's like whose value should we align to or who or which you basically have like two set of customers. Right. And so it's like, which customer do we listen to from a product side? Um, I also feel that way from a marketing side too, because you always have those two initiatives when you're working with those types of companies where it's like, we have two, you know, personas that we have to, you know, reach or like convert. Um, and they, they both are valuable to the business. So we need users to actually use this product so that we can make money or that there is value for these people who are actually like feeding the business. Um, and those priorities can compete. And like neither side really becomes successful if that conversation doesn't happen at the top. I also think this is a good segue. And I think I know originally we had talked about like, let's talk marketing and sales. But Natalie, I think since we have you here and you are more like product manager side, I'd love to chat or like lean into like, product and marketing and like how, you know, some of the things that we run into from that front. Um, And I think for product and marketing, it really is like looping sales back in. Sales is typically the group of people that is really in the weeds. Like the best way from a marketing perspective that I've been able to like learn about my audience or really understand like the pain points, you know, from spoken from their mouths versus like, We've done this like arbitrary research and we've decided that this is your pain point. Um, like they're hearing that firsthand. So really finding a balancing act of like there is some, you know, marketing finesse that has to happen and understanding your customer. But at the end of the day, like they are front and center talking along with customer success, like what these actual pain points are and what are the obstacles. And so feeding that back into product and marketing and then product and marketing are kind of working together to understand like you know, here are the things that are actually that we need from like a conversion acquisition standpoint. And then sales comes in to say like, here's what I need to actually seal the deal. Um, So I'd love to hear just like Holly J, you know, your experience across the board with that like trio of alignment. Yeah, I I think shining a little bit on that. And and this is going to end up probably with a question because it wasn't the best way of doing it. But I remember my time at a cloud group for a while. And the biggest leaky faucet, if you will, in our overall conversion. And again, as a quick reminder, the goal, the company was educating people on cloud services, cloud training, getting them up to speed. We had launched a self-service function for our team's function as well for businesses to get into it without needing to speak to a salesperson and be able to check out completely on their own. How we had aligned the teams, though, is marketing's goal was to generate pipeline and to generate new acquisition. And products goals, their KPIs and their core metrics were all around uh, activation metrics, usage, and LTV. But when we actually looked at the, the funnel from our ability to attract users and convert them right before activation, we noticed that our biggest leaky faucet, our biggest drop-off was actually happening in the checkout. And we were noticing some like 30, 40% of the drop-off that was happening was occurring just in the checkout screens. But the issue that we had, both teams, 
product team agreed, we got to fix the checkout. We got to get on it. We got to run tests to make it more simple. Marketing, low hanging fruit, quick wins that we can get if we can just fix the checkout. But the way that we had structured both of these teams from a high level meant that there was no crossover where it benefited product to actually work with the marketing team on fixing the checkout. And so the ownership of that checkout was focused on like a user experience product team who had already built their roadmap out. They've already agreed on their priorities and they were all focused on LTV, delivering a better experience. It wasn't on acquisition, it was on activation. And so what we thought of as little changes and what product thought of as medium weight changes actually became extremely heavy because the earliest that they could have committed to work on it was three or four months out there. So that's a whole quarter where we had all this money sitting on the table. And so I guess my experience is I've seen product and marketing and sales for that matter work best when the top level goals are aligned in such a way that the teams somewhat overlap and are incentivized to collaborate because when we win, we all win versus I own this, you own that, because then it ends up kind of with this like black hole where you have some things just being dropped. And that's where I've had the biggest challenges. I, I'd love to hear if any of y'all have ever dealt with that as well or how you've navigated that. For sure. And there are two sides of the story. So <laughs> on one side of the story is when you have different teams owning different numbers, mm -hmm. uh, silos happen. And especially in the signup process uh, slash like depending on your product, it could be like the checkout process. But basically from like uh, people click on the button to sign up uh, or pay to uh, they finish uh, sign up, right? So like, that's almost like the no man's land. Yes. It's like, does marketing own it or does product own it, right? Mm -hmm. Like there needs to be a conscious conversation between product marketing and say, oh, like who's actually um, optimizing our conversion funnel and, and who owns the number, right? Um, so if not, uh, then you have this uh, problem of marketing saying, oh, like it's the, like a product needs to be ready to like, you know, to, yeah. to, 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 to have, to, to have people to, to actually, you know, activate. And then product says, uh, oh, uh, I, uh, marketing is not driving high quality, uh, people in yeah. the funnel. Uh, that's why they're not activating. So it's like you, you, you do want to have like a shared, uh, shared goal, um, and a shared OKR slash, uh, um, uh, North Star metric so that you're collaborating, uh, on that. Um, mm -hmm. at the same time, it's also very important, uh, to, make it clear the roles and responsibilities of each team, right? So like, okay, my team is ultimately owning this number or my team is ultimately like looking at like a particular step or, or a particular funnel so that I know like I have a radical responsibility to make it better versus, oh, like, product team is going to do that or like a marketing team is going to do that. And then like no team is ending up like doing that. Or right. you can have like product team wants to work on that. Like marketing team wants to work. And then you have this like, uh, like yeah. uh, butting heads. Yeah. Uh, right. So it's like you, you, you do want to have like a clear rules and responsibilities. Who's actually doing mm -hmm. what. Um, and that conversation can, uh, uh, can, ch can, can change over time. Right. Like initially it could be, okay, like this quarter we're focusing on, um, getting, I don't know, like the website change, uh, the, on the front end, uh, so that we're, mm -hmm. we're getting, uh, the, 
the folks who land on a website to actually click on the buttons. And then maybe, maybe that's something that marketing is focusing on this quarter versus like, okay, next quarter, we're really focusing on like once people click on the button and, and, and how are they converting and let's run like a, a number of, uh, 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 conversion optimization, um, efforts to actually make sure they convert. And maybe that's like, what what products focusing on and marketing supporting this like onboarding emails etc so uh yeah so that's that's complex and it can change um over time definitely that, that's a great way and karina do you have you experienced that as well yeah i was actually thinking through like this is very top of mind for us jay i know like it's fascinating how synonymous it is also from like a top-down approach or a, a like a sales-led approach where marketing has a very specific KPI and sales has the complete opposite, not opposite, but like a totally different, more bottom funnel like KPI. And it's the same conversation. You know, you have marketing leaders that are like, I'm not focusing on helping you actually close deals and not focus, I'm not focusing on deal acceleration. None of that is important to me because my KPI is, you know, marketing sourced. And then it comes like, marketing apps becomes a nightmare because now it's like, what is our actual like sales is focusing on getting every single contact into the database because everything needs to be like an opportunity sourced by them and move through down to revenue where marketing is just focusing on sourcing net new. And what ends up happening is like exactly what you said, Holly, like nobody actually wins on that front and nothing actually gets done because then it's okay. Marketing is going to run and, and try to source and they're looking at like low hanging fruit, easy wins, but then they're duplicating efforts that sales is running in their silo. So it's interesting to me how like across the org, it all comes down to like KPIs are so important from a top down perspective to understand and align teams to work towards the actual same goal, which at the end of the day is like customers retention and all of that. Yeah. Jay, I'm sure you had some stuff to add there. <laughs> I, man, I, I couldn't agree more there. That overlap, you know, coming back to the overlap or lack thereof between the product and marketing teams that can create kind of either ball drop and not being worked on or at worst animosity or lost trust between teams. I've definitely seen that. The same side with sales and marketing for the almost the exact same reason. And it never seems to be an interpersonal reason. It, se- it always seems, whether it's new on the spot when I'm working with a client and, and they've just grown to a new stage and so they have a new um, team organization or they're growing rapidly, or the worst case scenario when I'm working with like a Fortune 100 client and they've had these siloed actions because of their KPIs, just like you're saying, because of their, um, their core metrics and their OKRs that they were guided by and they behaved that way for decades since I don't even know if OKRs existed in the 90s or 80s. But when they were there, it was definitely set up in a way that it created silos between the teams and it allowed this vacuum of culture where I started to see these small subcultures in the sales team and the core marketing team and then the product team of each of these business units at this large Fortune 100 company. And they never worked with each other at all because there was zero incentive to. And then when you have that kind of vacuum of collaboration and vacuum of culture, at times you start seeing animosity. Like it's really easy to blame another team for something not going right rather than taking ownership of it or admitting it was wrong and do a little bit of common sense thinking on why it was wrong and thinking of what you can do to fix it. You know, it's way easier just to say, Tom on product just kind of sucks. 
and it didn't really work. It's way easier to do. And when people start doing that, it kind of breaks down. It just kind of breaks down any trust that could be there. And then before you know it, you've got to call in the change management team or different like third parties to come in and try to fix it. You know, back to the whole thing. Your question, Karina, have I seen this? Sales and marketing, yes. And oftentimes when I go in back to this like Fortune 100 client I was with, our goal was to grow the company in three to six months for like core segments of business units. So think like there's a huge opportunity in Asia for batteries for cars 20 years from now. And the goal you would think it's just going to be, we're going to whip up a website. We're going to run some nurtures. We're going to get sales involved. And there's a lot of pieces. We're going to get the product team involved to get some sheets, selling sheets, all this. And it's really simple. We would spend more than half the time trying to wrestle out these interpersonal conflicts between people and actually having almost like therapy sessions that I would have with these teams across the globe. There, there is one where a woman started crying in the meeting because of the stress she was feeling by the lack of direction. This is so serious. Like now looking back, it's a little funny, but really hard to deal with at the time. And it's hard not to empathize with her. And it's just because there were never top-down goals that forced interaction between the teams that over the years allowed this negativity and animosity to creep in and to get rid of that and pull back is the hardest thing to do. It is the hardest thing to do. And it's so emotional and it's so human. And I wouldn't like to go back there, but it happens. So so here's a question though. And I think because for me, it's like so obvious, like, you know, I don't think that a KPI for like a revenue leader makes sense to be like a source you know, marketing opportunity or whatever. I think there needs, it needs to go further down the funnel. Same on the product side. Like, let's not just look at acquisition. Let's also look at activation, but like where, what is that actual metric that makes sense? And is it like one thing and it should all be that across the board or is it dependent on a couple things, right? Like should marketing be responsible for retention in the funnel like and acquisition and activations should marketing from a top-down perspective be held to an actual, you know, if you're like a performance marketing manager, are you held to a revenue number? And so when it comes time that there is like two teams at some point in the funnel that work together, like what is the actual handoff point? And is it different depending on a, a hundred things? What's a what's an ideal state look like if you were to like design that you know, Jay, that like Fortune 100 company from scratch or, or Karina, like what have you seen in high growth companies? What, if you have a magic wand, what would that look like ideally? That's a hard question. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's, you know, this is something I've thought about for a long time. And, and I mean that like when, when I was working at the Fortune 100 client, everything, my guys was, of agile coach because at the time it was like a buzzword in corporate that all the teams were blowing up so if you're an agile coach you kind of got the keys to the kingdom you could jump into the product team and they'd say hi we'll tell you our information you could jump in sales you could jump in marketing you could jump in distribution they kind of wave and say hey we're no we know that you're here to fix a problem and along my time there a lot of different like organizational structures popped up and it's a hard question to answer and i don't think i have a perfect answer for you but I know what I've seen that's worked really well is creating pods that are aligned around either the the market, the vertical, or the end customer in sight. 
and who you're actually trying to market to. And so when I've seen this actually play out, like where is the overlap? Like in any product that your goal is you're trying to sell it and get people to use it and get them to buy more of it and bring them into your doors. You know, you have like basic structure and basic things and steps you go through when you're selling anything from a glass of lemonade to a large B2B SaaS product. And so I think those are like the points like we know that sales wants leads so that they can turn it into money. Okay. That's the main thing they care about. That's what they hear when you talk to them. Marketing wants to do the things so that we can produce the leads and get the impact. Okay. So they're aligned there. So there's an intersection point at getting the leads versus actually a turning into revenue that both teams can agree on they care about. Um, product, I'm not an expert in product, but I know that product cares about activation metrics often, onboarding, LTV. So the usage and potentially the people that you're bringing in, like that's where I've seen some abilities to really work closely with product is share what I'm learning from the top of the funnel and our ability to acquire and the type of customers versus what product is seen in their cohorts for what users actually use the product the best or stay the longest. And that kind of feedback loop has helped. But when I've seen the best impacts at a very large business, it's always been because someone has created these squads, like multifaceted, interconnected teams that kind of have the entire part of the acquisition lifecycle present from product intelligence to sales to connections to marketing and have them all aligned around what the goal is for that customer for the overall business. And then all y'all kind of need to work together and make it work. And setting that up was a mess. And that's why I say I don't have a perfect answer for you. But we saw the biggest impact from the teams that were able to really converge around personas or key market opportunities in a cross-functional way. Because when we would have our conversations, our roadmap planning, everything like that, just the diversity of experience and the intelligence that was brought to the table, we were able to really think critically and really bring it back both to the customer and back to what was the simplest thing to get out of the door. And that was just magic. When it was working, it was magic. And when it wasn't working, it was a nightmare. So I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but that's the best I got. Yeah, I think... Sorry, Hallie, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to echo that. I mean, I think... I don't think there's a perfect, like, from a data perspective, that can all be hashed out. I think super cliche, it comes down to the alignment and, like, communication. And it's it's pretty surprising that, like, there are these big successful orgs that don't have, like, cross-department cadenced communication. And I really think that that is what it comes down to. Um, obviously the KPI people are driven by incentive. So I think that's insanely important from like the get-go is just that we have, it doesn't have to be a hundred percent, every single thing we're aligned on and gold on the same way, but at least one or two so that we have an incentive to work together because generally that's always like the missing piece. Like why would I put the effort towards, you know, in a less like negative connotation, but that's generally how people work, right? From like a human level. Um, and so it's hard to create the incentive to actually have that communication. But when that communication exists, when the incentive exists to work together, like that truly is where I see things just streamline and the engine really revs. Um, and that ha- I think that's like from a, if you're like bottoms up product led, like product marketing 100% should be aligned on that and have some overlapping goals. Same thing like top down. Sales and marketing should have, you know, overlapping goals. And then I think I'll take it a step further, like great leadership. I think having somebody who is experienced in 
leading that conversation, right? So on the marketing side and the sales side, and knowing that that is an important, you know, relationship to build. Same with product and marketing. I think generally, historically, we all know because we're either marketing or product or sales at one point where there are orgs where products like never talking to marketing and I don't need them for anything. And and then, but you're moving toward the product led motion and now you do. And so I think having good leaders in those seats that can bring those teams together and understand the value in that um, and creating Jay, like you said, like those cadence communications, whether that's like, you know, every two weeks product and marketing is meeting together and talking through more of like a sprint fashion yeah. from a collaborative perspective. Yeah. yeah. Holly, sorry. Holly. Oh, oh, Jay, you wanted to uh, add something before? I was just going to say, I agree to the the motions and aligning sprints and everything, like when people get work and plan, that little thing was huge too. Oh, Holly, take it away. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a radical like proposal is that like marketing get um, measured on revenue. Like whenever we can actually tie um, marketing efforts into the revenue uh for the company and that's uh that aligns uh that aligns teams um it's not always possible um but like after you you run uh initiatives for a little bit and hopefully you gather enough data to have inferred um influence on on the end revenue um i think um stopping at uh like you know, lots of teams stop at like driving leads, and then that's definitely not enough. Um, and better teams stop at uh, like uh, pipeline influence, uh, and that's like a lot better. Uh, and I would argue, even like potentially, we align on end revenue, like you know, close one. Because, uh, you know, if you think about the different functions of marketing, yes, you have acquisition team or you have the growth team who's more care about like top or middle of the funnel. But then um, you would also want to like um, help customers be successful, right? Like your customer marketing uh, folks uh, needs to develop customer stories or like you need to get the feedback from the customers uh, or your lifecycle marketing uh, people would want to contribute to the activation and then retention and, and the and, and the eventually monetization upgrades. Um, like how do you measure their efforts, right? Like it's it's easy to say, oh yeah, growth marketing folks uh, did a great job at like driving pipeline, but like you know, like product marketing is famous for not able to like tie uh, a particular measurement. Um, so like ultimately. Uh, if if we can want want to want to tie that ROI, that's a, that's the ideal state. Natalie, go for it. It's such a good discussion. Thank you guys for your time. Um, it all makes sense. Um, and I want to tie this up with the previous conversation on uh, people crying on a Zoom call uh, <laughs> and that animosity and having uh, separate stylists with uh, their own little cute uh, KPIs versus measuring the actual impact the organization is making. Um, so my thought, it happens, uh, it starts with, seems like with culture. So if I want to have my cute metric, I want to have control over my outcome because I feel that if I'm not going to make it, I will be judged and I'm going to be a good performer. So that's why I want to have that only one, my metric that I can control fully versus if you go up and you're looking at the outcome as an organization, you're kind of losing control and you need to trust people around you that would understand why you're not 
maybe delivering what you uh, set to deliver, but there are certain senses that it could not make it, you know, move the needle. So how would you address that? I think that's like basically my question. Do you think it makes sense in terms of uh, how maybe the cultural aspect might contribute to those uh, metrics that set up so closely to the actual uh, people in the team? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like when we absolutely like when you think about like basic needs, uh, like basic human needs, right? So it's like uh, like uh, security, uh, belonging, uh, and control, right? So like uh, security, am I gonna like continue to keep my job? Am I doing okay? And am I gonna get fired if something fails? Right? Is like number one. Um, and, and like number two, like belonging. Like okay, like am I like marketer? Do I belong? on here am i like uh, am i collaborating but why that person like speaks weirdly or look at me like was that really like what's happening right so it's like <laughs> belonging and then control like you said right? it's like do i have control of my destiny uh and can i control like my like uh, the, the 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 space that i'm working on like oh like uh now other people uh also contribute to this thing or like have influenced this thing that i i don't have total control and don't have total clarity and that like uh, like a threaten that that's a that's a threat and and of course different people is um like for 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 different people these three things uh influence differently uh, uh at, at different degrees uh so like um as a as a as a leader as like um a collaborator uh we need to understand where people are coming from uh and create that level of um security control and belonging uh to uh to to different team members uh but like you said it's like trust is the foundational question of um do i do i trust my teammates uh do i do i trust that they come from a good place uh and uh what's the intent uh we always say oh assume best intent but in the heat of the moment can i still do that um, yeah. and that takes practice um a lot of times it does come from top yeah and i think there are ways like you know to to support those needs from a data perspective as well, where it's like, okay, if we're if we're marketers and we're gonna focus on revenue as our North Star metric, and that's what we truly care about, that's what we're measured on, that doesn't mean we don't ever look at like, what is our lead number? We never look at what is our conversion rate mm -hmm. from lead to, doesn't mean we don't have an MQL like definitive. It means like, we still measure those things. Those are still leading indicators of success but that is what their use is. Their use is like their leading indicators for how we're doing. And then revenue is like what we're ultimately trying to work towards. Um, and I think those are also important to still have in place and measure, right? But knowing that our focus is for the finish line, not just to stop at driving a lead or driving MQL. And I think that's also comes back to like, what happens when it doesn't work well so what happens when we're not hitting that revenue number i think that's also what people are afraid of because then it's like who's responsible yeah. for that right because then it becomes well i'm i'm all of my leads are hitting our mq all of our leads are with an icp all of this you know they've done the dance now it's your you like you have to take it to the finish line we've we've helped you we've sales enabled you um and then but then sales is like these leads suck. They they don't want to talk to us in that conversation, right? And so I think making sure that we're still fostering a place where people can feel supported and that they are on the right track, but still saying like that's not where we stop because still like 
although it seems super old school, there's so many orgs that I've like a part like working with where like the buck stops at like MQL, like we've done our job, that's it. And we know that the, like there is no sales relationship with marketing and sales I know has zero respect from the marketing team because we're never listening. There's like no feedback loop. Um, but like from the top, that's really been built out that way, right? Because they're, they've been gold and issued like a metric that doesn't need them to have that feedback loop with sales. So. Yeah, I, I really agree. I, I love everything that you guys are saying. I think there are three words that I pulled out of a couple from you, Holly, one from you, Natalie, the culture, control, and security. And those are the things I, when I think about this challenge on, it kind of comes down to, is the group going to pull it through or am I going to pull it through? It's kind of like me against the world or we're in it for the team. And to me, those are like core foundational aspects of someone's character, like who they are and what they value. And that's that like annoying, but so real intangible thing of hiring for culture fit. And I hate that phrase, not a culture fit, a great culture fit, but that's that kind of intangible thing that I got to say how teams work together and how you own work definitely needs to fit in for a central way of thinking because i think we all know when you've worked part of that team where everyone is a lot everyone is a collaborator and then you have that one person it's my way or the highway that just doesn't really work with the team and it slows down it's harder vice versa you're on a team full of like this is my thing this is what i own this is what i did but then nothing comes together into a cohesive and integrated campaign and to me it is kind of like part of the the hiring and formulating the culture of your team. And like you said earlier, Karina, it really does come down to the leader on how you advertise what success looks like and failure looks like, and more importantly, what path you take to getting there. And that actually brings up a question I have for y'all. So in this like world of, of collaborating, as teams are collaborating more and, and pushing better things out there, do you think for an individual, do you think that it stifles or encourages creativity for someone being on a team where it's heavy collaboration? Do you think is the question, does collaboration stifle creativity? Yeah, or does it help encourage it? Because I've kind of wondered that because I go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I can, I can, I, I can see both sides, right? So, like, um, for and also, it's different for different people. Um, I know, uh, for me, I need time to think, <laughs> to actually like have my headset. By the way, I have the same headset, um, Natalie. That was like so good, so comfortable. It, like, I when when I had that on, like, I'm so creative. I'm like, <laughs> I can do anything, and I like come back, like you know three hours later, I have this like master plan. Um, and, uh, versus like in some of the brainstorming, like if I have to, like, it, it also depends on the brainstorming also, like how the Ooh. brainstorming is set up. But sometimes I'm like, wow, like I, I'm really getting lots of great ideas and just like really motivate me to like think about new things. And sometimes if I have to, if there's no clarity or if things are not set up, uh, in a way that like, fosters that openness and then i'm like oh i have to do all the work to drive things and then i was afraid of other people how are they thinking and judging me so that just like really stifles my creativity uh so yeah i think like it needs to be set up in the in the in the right way to foster that interesting 
Totally. Same for you, Korea, or what do you think? Yeah, I think like I'll always always fall back on my leadership course. And I feel like when you're if you're gonna foster collaboration and like make that a part of your culture fit or whatever, just understanding your people and knowing where they work best, right? Because like I'm the same as you, Holly. Like I'm not a like, all right, let's jump on this call and like live work on this whiteboard and figure out the problem right now, live. Let's do it. I'm like, absolutely not. I will go back here. I'll take, you know, same thing, like music on in my zone and I'll come back with like really thoughtful, you know, ideas and like brainstorm that way where other people like I know Eli is like this. He's like, which is so funny when we try to work together because he's like, let's jump on right now, this moment, figure it out and like talk through it and get to the end of solution. And I'm like, I cannot. And so I think just understanding like, you know, maybe there's two people that do work like Eli and it's like really live collaboration. Let them like come with their brainstorm together and let those people go back and put their headphones on and then then come to the table. So I think it just comes down to like knowing the strength of your team. Um, but I think collaboration overall will like collaboration from like a KPI number and having that be collaborative across departments, I think will foster creativity because then you're truly thinking about what will really move the needle and not just mm. what will get me to my MQL number or what will get me to my acquisition number. Right. So, yeah. Um, I know we are running up at time. I feel like we could talk about this for another hour. Um, but Natalie, thank you so much for joining on and asking such awesome questions. It's been awesome to chat with you. And Holly, Jay, per usual, thank you so much. Um, and we'll see you guys again next week, 12 p.m. Pacific time. Um, cool. Have a great day, guys. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you. you.